The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C dot com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website, which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Yesterday, we began looking at the flesh as one of the trinity of enemies of the child of God. You may recall that in our spiritual warfare series that we're looking at now, there are a trinity of enemies that oppose us. The world and the devil are our enemies, but so is the flesh, the carnal nature. Yesterday, we began looking at that. We began to see that the flesh is always with us. The carnal nature is always afflicting us. And even if the devil were not here in this world, there would still be sin because of our carnal man. Today, we continue looking at that and we see ways that we can combat this enemy of our spirit, which is the flesh. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Jesus. 
The flesh is always with us and it's always misleading us. You know, that's one of the problems with Arminianism. That's one of the problems with the teaching in the world that you have to do something in order to be saved. You have to accept him. You have to pray to him. You have to do enough good works to outweigh your bad works or any other activity that you have to do in order to avail yourself of the eternal salvation that's found only in Christ. That's the pride of life. That's the pride of life. And, and I get that. Everybody wants to say I had something to do with, with, with my outcome. We love somebody that pulls themselves up by the bootstraps, right? <laughs> That's the American way. And I understand that in business. And I understand that in society out there. But it does not work in the kingdom of God. That's the pride of life, you see. You know, that, that phrase, pride of life, over there, I looked it up in Strong's Concordance. That's from First. John chapter 2 and 16. I looked it up in Strong's Concordance, Concordance, and this is what it said. This is how it was defined. An insolent and empty assurance which trusts in its own power and resources and shamefully despises and violates divine laws and human rights. Also, it's defined as an impious and empty presumption which trusts in the stability of earthly things. That's the pride of life. That's why we have so much teaching in the world that says that God didn't create this world. The world just came to be through a process of cosmic accidents. That ultimately we got to where we are over billions of years of trial and error by a cosmos that's impersonal and unthinking and has no love or feeling for anything. Beloved, I want to say to you again what Brother David Crawford said from this pulpit some time back. You are no cosmic accident. You are no cosmic accident. There was purpose. There was design. There was intelligence. And there was love behind the creation of this world. The flesh is always misleading us. Sister Lydia and I kidded around, still kid around from time to time about this idea of following your heart. <laughs> um, the, uh, the idea of Following your heart is promoted constantly by certain channels like the Hallmark Channel <laughs> and other channels on TV. Uh, that's, the, that's the great uh, uh, hope of the fairy tale, right? Follow your heart. Do what your heart desires and all will be well with you. But you see, the problem with that is that the heart is part of your flesh, and Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 describes the heart of man. He says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. The heart is deceitful. That's what I've been saying here this morning. The flesh guided by the heart will mislead you. It will mislead you. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, that's in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 25. Back in chap Proverbs chapter 14, is the same statement is made. When God says it one time, you ought to listen. When he says it twice, it's like he's running a flag up the flagpole saying, pay attention to what I'm telling you. There's a way that you think is right in your heart and it will lead you to destruction. 
The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Listen, all sin began in, the, in this way. Back over in the third chapter of Genesis where the serpent came on the scene and he was, we're told he was more subtle than any beast in the field. And he went to Eve and he said, Yea, hath God said. You know how the devil usually begins to chip away at your faith? He begins to get you to question what God said. And that's why it's important for you to know what God said. He'll take a verse of scripture and he'll twist it just a little bit and make it sound pretty good. He'll make it sound better to your flesh. <laughs> he said, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And that's not what God said. That's not what God said. God had told Adam, you can eat of every tree but this one. That's a big difference, isn't it? You know, that's not God saying, look here, I've got a little whole bunch of good, great stuff here, but you can't have it. That's what the devil's trying to insinuate here. God said, I've got millions of wonderful trees and fruits and vegetables and things that will sustain you. All this is yours, Adam. There's just this one little tree over here. And you know, you know the human nature like I do it's just like when I was a teenager particularly if I was told that I could go anywhere in Tuscaloosa I wanted to go but just not over to this little bar over here where do you think I wanted to make a beeline for because <laughs> I didn't hear how generous daddy was being I heard how he's trying to keep me from something <laughs> That's what the devil will do to you. He'll begin to, he'll begin to stir it up in you and say, well, you know, just like he did here, God said you can't eat of everything here. And she said, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now, there's a little problem there. She, she didn't know the word of God. God didn't say anything about touching it. God just said don't eat of it. Say, so what's the big deal there? Well, the problem is when she reaches up and touches it and she doesn't die, and she thought God said you would, oh, well, he must not be telling the truth about eating it either, you see. So don't add to the word of God. Don't take away from it, but don't add to it. And the serpent said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know in the day that they eat it, you eat thereof. Then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. What's he appealing to? He's appealing to the pride of life. He's appealing to her pride, her fleshly pride. Who wouldn't want to be like a God? Who wouldn't want to be elevated above the human condition? And notice what happened. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, there's the lust of the flesh. This is something that, I, that would feed my flesh. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. There's the lust of the eyes. It sure does look good. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. There's that pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband and he did eat. You see, the flesh, the devil certainly deceived her, but the flesh is what misled her. He appealed to the fleshly desires. And you know, if we're not careful we will end up in that same condition. The, Lord, the, the devil, the world, uh, and the devil will appeal to our fleshly nature and it will deceive us and it will destroy us. You see, if you let it, the flesh will destroy you. It will destroy you. Remember, 
The flesh is your enemy. We've already said, even if the devil weren't here, our flesh is cursed by sin and would continually lead us astray. Turn back over to Romans again, the seventh chapter. Romans chapter 7 and verse 22. Listen to this. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Notice what the flesh does, this sin that's within us. It brings us into captivity. It says it will bring you into captivity to the law of sin which is in your members. You see, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it seems like that would free you. That's what Eve was looking for. She was looking to be freed from the bonds and the bounds that God had put upon her. But when she partook of it, she became his, its captive. It took her into captivity to the law of sin, which is in her midst. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Now, I, I love this here, and I don't want to get too far off on this, but notice that there's two things talked about here. There's the law of the mind, and then there's the members. The mind versus the members, okay? The spiritual mind knows what it ought to do, but the fleshly members of the body lead us astray. And when it does that, it will ultimately destroy us. 2 Timothy 2.26 speaks of those who are trying to recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. The flesh will take you captive. Think about the addicts that are out there, those who are addicted to, uh, to some sort of uh, a controlled substance or some sort of alcohol or some sort of... Some, now, now we have people that are addicted to pornography and things like that out there. They are those that are taken captive by the things of this world through the lusts of the flesh. And there's few people that I know that ever set out to destroy their lives and their families. There's few that set out and said, I think today I'm going to do something that will destroy my life. Nobody ever intended to do that. Think about the prodigal son. He set out in a rebellious spirit, but he never intended to wind up in the hog pen. Think about David, the king. I'm sure when he was walking on the, the, uh, the roof of his house and he saw that woman bathing down there, Bathsheba bathing, I'm sure all he was thinking is a one-night stand. And yet, based upon what he did that night, the sword never left his house. It never left his house. Think about Lot. I don't believe Lot set out to be completely rebellious. He just pitched his tent toward Sodom. That's all he did. He just got too close to those wicked men down there, those, that wicked city. Think about Samson. Samson just saw a woman that he, he loved. He never intended to have his, the locks of his hair shorn off and to end up dying by suicide. He had to kill himself in order to serve God in that way. He took down that temple. He never intended to get there. He never intended to get there. And by the way, let me just say this, that the lusts of the flesh can be more than fornication. Something, that's what we think of often, it's just fornication. But there's the lust for power, the lust for pleasure, the lust for wealth, the lust for worldly goods, the, the lust for 
for status in this world, all those things will take you captive. So in the time we have left, let's talk about the remedy. Let's talk about the remedy. What is the remedy? How do we combat the flesh? Well, the first of all, we need to trust in the gospel, the true gospel. We need to understand that all, you know, I, I'm thankful for every good thing that's done in this world. But any movement, any movement for social justice, any movement for improvement of society, any movement for remedying problems, if it is not grounded in the word of God, it will not work. It will not work. It will go astray. Over in Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, we're told that um, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region about, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And notice in verse 16 it says, He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. There's a lot of preaching in there. It was Jesus' custom to be in church. <laughs> it was Jesus' custom to be in the house of worship. It ought to be our custom if we would be like him. It says, He stood up for to read, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now here he's beginning to preach, read, and then preach the gospel, the true gospel of the grace of God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Notice what he's done here. He has read to them from the book of Isaiah, and in doing so, he has preached the gospel to them. And notice what the gospel does. It delivers the captives. It delivers the ca It heals the brokenhearted. It preaches deliverance. To the poor, at recovering of sight, to the blind. See, we need to start all of our resistance to the flesh, to the world, and to the devil in the gospel. And then what do we do? What do we need to be doing? We need to be guarding our hearts. We need to be guarding our hearts. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 9 says, Take heed to thyself. And keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. In our hearts, we need to keep our hearts with all diligence. Proverbs 4.23 says that. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of, out of it are the issues of life. Job chapter 31 and verse 1, he says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. He said, why then should I think upon a maid? Which leads me to the next point, that we need to be taking care to guard our minds and to renew our minds. Notice he said, Job said, the covenant was with his eyes. And he said, why then should I think upon a maid? You, ought, you, you might say, well, he misspoke there. He should have said, why should I look upon a maid? No, Job knew that the gateway to the mind and to the heart is through the eyes. We need to be careful what we see. You know that little song, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. The things we put into our hearts. Those are the things that come out. Those are the things that come out. And in renewing our minds, remember what Paul wrote over in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. In Romans 12 and verse 1, Paul says, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And now listen, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Renewing of the mind. I've said many times our battle is not for the heart. The, heart's, the battle for the heart in the sense of eternity was won when God uh, sent His Holy Spirit to, to, uh, to regenerate us. But our battle is for the minds of God's people. We need to guard our hearts and the way we do that is through renewing our minds. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We've been talking about how the flesh will take us captive, but you know there's a, there's a sense in which we need to be taking our minds captive. We need to bring our thoughts into captivity. How do we do that? How do we do that? We're assaulted on every hand. Pictures and, and movies and, and teaching out there in the world, the philosophies of this world constantly assault us. How do we renew our minds? How do we bring our thoughts into captivity? By filling our minds by, and refilling it with spiritual things, not ungodly things. Study the Word of God. I've talked to someone in the past that said, well, I just don't need to study. I you know, I just kind of know what the Word of God says. That is a recipe for disaster. That is a recipe. That's why Eve got, uh, got misled, because she didn't know the Word of God. That's why you, child of God, will be misled. And you know, in Philippians chapter 4, Philippians gives us really the best remedy I know of for both our heart and our minds. In chapter 4 and verse 8. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Listen to this. Finally, brethren, you say, preacher, preacher, it's so hard. I'm constantly assaulted by things on television, the politics of the day, the, the pornography that's out there, the, the, the wickedness of the world, the philosophies of the world that are out there. What in the world can I do? Well, one thing you can do is turn off the TV and open up the Word of God. One thing you can do is stay away from those places where ungodliness is promoted and get in the place, the church of God, where godliness is encouraged. Be around the folks that you need to, uh, that, that will encourage you and that will uplift you, okay? I don't mean you've got to come out of the world. There are people in the world. You can't get out of the world, but you can not be a part of the world. Now listen to this. Here's a way. This is a unique thought, isn't it? Philippians 4 and verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. You want to renew your mind? Best way I know of is to go to the place where the things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, virtuous, of good report are taught. That's right here in the Word of God. I like reading novels. I've discovered Audible now. I guess I'm probably only about 10 years behind times, but in all my travels now, I've discovered Audible. 
So there's some novels that I've downloaded and I like to listen to, but you know what I found that encourages me the most? I, I downloaded a couple of books by C.S. Lewis, the great Christian apologist. I've been listening to him some. There'll be times on my three-hour drive down to Montgomery that I'll start out listening to Merle Haggard and Don Williams, and those are good, good artists, okay? Before it's over with, I'm listening to Elder Ronald Lawrence and Elder Michael Goins on Grace Alone Radio. I can remember one time I got down about to Centerville. That's about the halfway mark. And I was so just anxious and ill and just in a bad mood, just feeling bad. I said, I need something besides Merle Haggard. I mean, you know, I love him, don't get me wrong, but I need something better. I flipped it over to Grace Alone Radio and began to listen to that a cappella singing and those preachers that are so sound. And you know, by the time I got down to Montgomery, I was feeling a whole lot better, <laughs> a whole lot better. Now, whatsoever things are true, honest, lovely, just, pure, of good report. He says, if there be any virtue or any praise, think on these things. Don't fill up your mind with the things of this world. Fill up your mind with the things of God. So, what else can we do? Well, what else we can do is put on the armor. Put on the armor. And we're going to save that for next time. But he didn't leave us defenseless here in this battle. He expected that we would have a hard time here. And he gave us some things that we can put on that are found over there in Ephesians chapter 6. And Lord willing, we'll talk about the armor next time. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.